0: Our scripture today is from Hebrews 10, verses 14 through 25. For by a single offering, he has prepared for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he added, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, a full assurance of the faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed pure with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Oh, I was looking, we've got about 10 or 11 families joining us online too, so if at any time... During Sundays, you everyone to just walk in front of the camera and wave like there's actually human beings on the other side of there, so, um, and worshiping together, um, and man, thanks for all that have been serving and helping set up and stuff. I was, I was particularly interested in our keyboard player today, and since uh, this was her first time at the Keys, so thank you, my daughter, for uh, stepping into that. Uh, it's been cool to see Carrie Ann, who usually plays the Keys, actually be teaching Hannah piano lessons, and for that to just be like, oh yeah, that's how it works, is we teach each other, and then we uh, use our gifts for the glory of the Lord, and so that's been been fun this morning, and it's so different for me viewing the church than how I grew up. Uh, I think when I, and it was nothing against the church that I grew up in, but when I was growing up, my view of what the church was, and my view of what the church could be, was very shallow. Um, I had the idea that church was painful. (laughs) Like, if you were like, Tim, what? uh, Little Timmy, (laughs) like, what's one word that you use to describe the church? And I think I'd say painful. Because in my mind, like, what church was, was me trying to be sitting still. And me trying to just kind of endure this thing that we do every Sunday, and it's like, okay, little Timmy, I know you can get through this. <laughs> like, you know, we're gonna do this thing, and uh, and then it was almost like when the doors would open to leave. In my, the way I was just viewing life was, oh, I, I'm set free. I get to go back to normal life. I get a, and I felt good. It was like, I, you know, good job enduring those 45 minutes or hour, or hour 15 minutes. Like that was just kind of the way that I saw what the church was about. And then I met Jesus when I was in college and he saved me. I realized my sin. I realized that I had no hope in a relationship with God with the sin that, that was in my life, continued to be in my life. And it wasn't until I realized that he had actually given himself so that so that he could forgive me my sin and that I could have life in him. But then when I went to church, it was different. But then when I started going to church, I was like a consumer. It was almost like me going into a restaurant and being like, I'm here to be fed. Um, I'll probably only interact with the server. And when you're in a restaurant, you're never like going up to other tables. Well, Small town rural Iowa, we do because you know, right? But like, if you're in Ames or Des Moines, you're in the restaurant and you're having this like solo experience, or maybe your family's having this like solo feeding experience. There's a waiter that you're interacting with, but the other people are just kind of part of the background of your like personal uh, feeding and what 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 you're doing. And uh, and I think like what we're gonna see today, and when there's a risk. To gathering, Like when there's a risk to going to a restaurant or for us, for a church, like what is a church? What are we supposed to be about? What are we supposed to care about? Uh, how should we be thinking as we're even gathering together, gathering online? Like what should be our kind of our meditation? How should we like premeditate our arrival coming to church um, and with COVID, with a record amount of churches not meeting in person, um, with um, with just the challenges of gathering in person, gathering online, I think it's easy for us to go back to just being consumers and being like, well, online church is like takeout. <laughs> and in-person church is, is me kind of coming in, but it's still just kind of my personal feeding thing. And Hebrews chapter 10 is so fascinating because Hebrews chapter 10 comes at a time where it was crazy risky to gather in public because there were spies that were like, okay, whose houses should we confiscate this week? Well, let's go to church and find the Christians that are gathering, and then we're going to take their homes because it's illegal to be a Christian, and let's do this and this. And so there was real risk to getting together and I think for us living in this season and not knowing what the rest of the summer is going to be like, not, not knowing what the rest of the fall is, it's like, man, should we just all just kind of have Amazon send us our church food and just kind of forget about this gathering nonsense, or do we actually like... Press in like we've never pressed in before, and I think Hebrews chapter ten is our answer. And so, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some—we've got a handful of them on the table out there. Grab one; it's yours. Keep it. Um, We will have the verses on the screen too, or uh, in in your copy. Uh, Hebrews chapter ten, verse fourteen says this. And this is, the author of Hebrews is leading us towards how to think about church, and this is how we're starting. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You might say, I didn't see church in there. I didn't see anything about church. Like, why are we starting here? Well, the first thing that this passage is focusing our attention to is the superiority of Jesus, the superiority of Jesus. Let's not miss this. Um, you know, When we're thinking about why we gather, we need to be thinking about what Jesus has done for us, first and foremost. That's the front burner. What has Jesus done? In times past, as Kevin led us into in prayer, um, did a great job really summarizing so much, um, Kevin sharing how the way that the Lord operated for a season of history was very tangible, and that was that the way that you come to me, you still have sin, but the way that you come to me as a sinful person is going to be without, Hebrews even says elsewhere, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins, and so what you'd actually do is you would come up to this animal, and this animal had to be without blemish, had to be costly. you would going to be like, well, okay, an animal sacrifice is going to be involved. Go out to the back 40 and pick the, the sickest, most nasty-looking animal that I don't even want on my farm anyway, and that's what we'll sacrifice. No, it had to be, in, even in the eyes of the farmer, perfect. It's the most perfect example of a sheep. And with this perfect sacrifice, you would go up and you'd place your hands on that animal as if to signify all of the sins of me is going to be transferred this animal, and then the animal would be killed. A priest would lead the animal being killed, showing what our sin cost. Look at that innocent animal. And that is like the cost of my sin. It was like a continual picture to us. And what Jesus did instead was to say, that was a shadow of me. And now I am going to, you had to go back all the time and do that. I'm going to do a one-time sacrifice that will forever, forever cover the sins of, of my people. The magnitude of his sacrifice is that it only has to happen once And he is the one that's actually like, I don't have to do all this stuff. He's the one that did the sacrifice. And he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And where it says there in verse 14, for all time those who are being sanctified. So when I see what he did, but then I realize, as Kevin mentioned, that now I'm being sanctified. Now I'm being made. What this means is throughout a lifetime, I'm being made to think, I'm being made to act and I'm being made to look more like him every day. So I'm supposed to be looking to Jesus and and realizing like, Jesus, like you are in this for a lifetime to sanctify me to look more like you. So the the writer of Hebrews, like even in thinking of church, verse 14 is like the victory of the sacrifice of Jesus always has to be on the forefront of your mind. Then verses 15 through 17 are unique in scripture. They're they're a precious area that, that we're like, whoa, I can't believe this is happening right now. Because all throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, we hear the voice of the Father, the first member of the Trinity. We hear his voice. We hear his heart. Throughout scripture, we saw this tons of times in Daniel, we see this throughout the New Testament, is we see the second person of the Trinity. We see Jesus. We see the Son. Very rarely do we hear directly from the Holy Spirit The third person of the Trinity, our one God who exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And verses 15 through 17 are us hearing directly from the Holy Spirit. And so as we hear from him, here's what the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. What the Holy Spirit has Telling us here is he's committed to actually, through a lifetime, taking God's ways and God's thoughts and God's heart and putting it on our heart. Person by person, that he's going to put his laws on our hearts, that he's going to write them on our minds. Every heart and every mind that has come to a saving faith in Jesus is going to be changed, grown transformed and the holy spirit's like sign me up for that i'm committed to that and i know like we're a glorious mess and he's like i'm all in (laughs) i'm up for the challenge i'm powerful to step into the challenge enjoy this it's going to be surgery and it's going to lead to beautiful things and the holy spirit starts to teach us bringing his words into our hearts writing them on our minds He adds this amazing promise in verse 17. He's not like, oh, I'm gonna get so bitter as I get closer and closer to you. He's like, no, look, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. I love here that God's not like, hey, I've got a lot of people that I'm interacting with, and so I'm just gonna forget. Like, I'll forget a lot of things about you. He doesn't say that. His memory never fails. But what he says is, I'm going to choose out of my love to you, my commitment to you, I'm going to choose to remember your sins no more and your lawless deeds no more. And if like we bring it up to him, like, oh, you know that one time, and he's like, I actually don't remember that. I've, uh, I've just removed that from my memory because uh, that's his mercy, his joy for us. And it's like now, knowing of Jesus' sacrifice for us, knowing of the commitments that we have by the Holy Spirit himself. So just so we know, like, we are operating in treasure. Like, these are treasures. These are treasures. And it's like, now, how do I live? How do I live being spoiled like that? How do I live with offers like that? with his sacrifice, with the Holy Spirit committed to him. How do I live like that when gathering is risky? Because it was super risky for the, for the Hebrew people for that, that this letter was written to. Living was risky. Some people at that time, what they did with that knowledge and what they did with the risk is they went MIA. They isolated. They're like, okay, I know those are true. I know those are true truths, But man, look at this, Um, I might see you in a couple years. (laughs) Like, let's just kind of disperse, and uh, let's just kind of, I hope it goes okay with you, you hope it goes okay with me, and like, let's just get together when the storm is over. And what I love is this is written for that moment, and these verses are written for that time. Some were just like, hey, let's just like, let's just stop getting together, let's stop gathering, and... um, we can all keep our houses, like the Hebrew, these people, their homes were being confiscated, they were being fired from jobs, and they were like, some people were like, let's just stop gathering, we can keep our jobs, keep our homes, the risk will be, will be kind of taken from its power of the risk, and then let's, um, we'll somehow find a way to get back together. But what I love is like, instead of focusing on how dark it is, instead of focusing on how risky it is, we need to be wise, yes. They, they were using wisdom. But one of the ways, the way, when we see darkness is not to hide from it, not to hide in a corner, but is actually to approach it with light. If we take light to darkness, the darkness can't stand up against it. The darkness flees. And what we're going to see in these next, uh, these next some verses here is three and I wasn't familiar with this term until I really started researching this passage or I'd forgotten it, but it's three hortatory subjunctives, okay? So some of you that are geeks in language are just like, oh, I'm listening now. You had me at hortatory subjunctive, you know? Um, but a, uh, a hortatory subjunctive is a form of the, of the verbs that are used in this next passage, and there are three of them. And what's special about a hortatory subjunctive is that it is true for the person who is sharing it. It's like a true command for the person who's sharing it. So it'd be like for the person writing the book of Hebrews, for me communicating, it's like, this is true for me, this is a command for me, and it's a command for all of us. Like, this is not just me being like, you kick the ball. You know, but it's like, let's kick the ball. You know, it's like this is true for all of us, a hortatory subjunctive that we all step into. And the three here that are, that are mentioned, the forms, so we'll unpack what each of these mean, but is let us draw near, let us hold fast, and let us consider. So in light of all these treasures, in light of the risk, let us hold fast or let us draw near let us hold fast let us consider so uh, verse 19 starts unpacking this therefore brothers we could say brothers and sisters with this passage therefore brothers sisters since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of jesus Faith in Jesus gives us access to God that we would have never imagined before Jesus came and taught us the access that he is opening up to us. Verse 20, by the new and living way, he is alive and he's opening us to this living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God Here's the first hortatory subjunctive. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So first, we're, we're commanded what to do in risky times is to draw near to Jesus for our good when life is risky. It's not to isolate It's not to be like, hey, I'm in my house by myself, and I'm just isolating from everybody. It's like, while I'm hope in your house by yourself, you're drawing near to Jesus. Because if you are, you're in solitude, not isolating. You're in solitude with him, which Jesus would do with the Father and withdraw at times. Um, It's not us like, hey, what you need to do in this moment is take up sides and look like who's wrong and let's like fight against each other or let's just assume God is punishing us and let's just like take our lashes or something. But instead, it's like after hearing these treasures that we have in Jesus and what the Holy Spirit is promising us for a lifetime, what our movement should be, is moving towards Jesus, drawing near to him, and look what it says, with a true heart. With a true heart. Um, the Greek-speaking world, it's a little different than us because I think we're such literalists. We're such like, you know, we, I think all of us have like an engineering flair in us when you compare us to other parts of the world. Um, when we think of heart, we just think of your heart. You know, We think of that organ that's beating. When the Greek-speaking world thought of heart, they thought of your entire being like all that encapsulated you. So part of it with a true heart was that, hey, you might be putting up a front. You might be telling people that you're, oh, I'm good, I'm good, we're all good. But you might be actually feeling sad or you might be feeling hurt. You might be feeling lonely. You might be feeling angry. You might be feeling depressed. You might be feeling anxious. You might be feeling shame. You might be like a recipe of all of those things at different, different levels. And Jesus isn't being like, that's gross. Stay away from me. Get yourself together. Then come to me. That's not what he's saying. He's saying with, a true, with how you truly are. And you might not even know how you are. There are times that I'm like, I'm feeling something negative in here. I don't know what it is. Lord, would you actually like undo all the spaghetti inside of my heart to actually show me, like, why am I feeling this way? But here, it's like, man, in the risk, in the pressure, in the tension, is with just all that you truly are, where you're at, draw near to him in full assurance of faith. As we draw near, we're drawing near the one who gives us the clean heart, who rewrites the script in our minds and in our conscience. Verse 2 alludes to our baptism. When you've put your faith in Jesus, one of the first acts of obedience. So you don't, you're not baptized, that therefore you're saved. Having put your faith in Jesus, giving your life to Jesus, a first step is for us to be baptized as followers of Jesus. And here he's saying like that baptism will serve as like a roadside sign. Of Jesus' rescue of you. And you can, for a lifetime, kind of be looking back and be like, oh, you, you were with me then, you're with me now, I can draw near to you. If you've put your trust in Jesus and haven't been baptized, for me it was several years after I came to Jesus that I started realizing like, oh wow, I should be baptized. I, I want my faith to go public and uh, let's do that. We can do that right here, we can even do that next week. So let me know if, if that's something that's like, oh yeah, I should be baptized. And uh, it, it's an amazing moment in the life of a, the church Um, So that's the first hortatory subjunctive is to draw near. The second hortatory subjunctive is in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So first we draw near to Jesus. Then we hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, one of the beautiful things about passages like this is what they're not saying too. It's not saying like, oh gosh, there's a long list. If you're interested in Jesus, you got to stop doing so much stuff. Your life has to look so different. There's a long list. People will say that. People will hand you that list. They'll be, they'll be really excited to give you a really long list of all these rules. And what I love is Romans ten nine is like, here's the list. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him. This isn't a memorial that we're getting together to think about this wise man that lived 2,000 years ago. He's alive. You confess that he's Lord, that he's alive, that that your sin is what he is about, you will be saved. That's the confession that we're to hold on to when, man, it feels like the storm is just like beating against us. We hold on to that confession. Our faith is a confession that Jesus is alive and well. He's conquered death. He's my Lord. He leads me. Believing this saves me. I love here for he who promised is faithful. So what we're holding fast to is not like, oh gosh, I gotta really hold on to him. I gotta really buck up and have faith. But what I love here is he says, it's because he's faithful, because he's the one that hold, that's holding on to us. It's because he's gonna stay with us through all of this. So in with all of this treasure, with these two hortatory subjunctives, now this takes us to like, the culmination of today, like like why we are really gathering around this passage today is because the question of is our gathering like a restaurant and where we're just kind of doing our own solo thing, maybe we're around our family, trying not really to interact with each other. Like is that what we're about and it's kind of optional and some can take takeout, some will eat in and dine in. Like verse 24, loud and clear, is like, Let's for a lifetime like reorient our thinking. (laughs) Reorient the way that I grew up thinking about church. Like let's for a lifetime reorient this starting in verse 24. Let us consider, this is the third one, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider each other. Um, it ended there, like it's, it should jump out at us, but a day is coming that I love. It's, it's, there's never even a date attached to it, but there's a day that's coming that's just known as the day. And it's the last one. It's the last day. And throughout scripture, it's just referred to as the day. And if any time like we were hanging out and Jesus was like, hey, I want to talk to you about the day. You'd be like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like it, You would know instantly, oh, he's talking about the last one, the last day, the day that life utterly stops, that all will be judged, that all will see Jesus either a savior or the one that they rejected for a lifetime as he sought to rescue them and love them. And that day should be in our mind. And even with the risk of gathering, the day should be informing us and should be affecting us. And here, as that day is in our mind, being a part of a church is nothing like a restaurant. It's nothing like a restaurant. The stakes are infinitely higher. The day is at stake here. The day is being mentioned. And at a restaurant, like, you're there to get fed. Maybe you're critical of those serving you. I don't know what type ah, let's leave them a penny tip like that's going to say more than leaving them nothing you know or something hopefully none of us do that but um but you know and we could we could not care about those around us we could leave just being like hey did that taste well to you did that taste well to me and man it's like yes we should be fed as we come to church like yes we are individually uh being taught by god taught by the spirit this is an individually important moment but what this verse teaches us to is that as we gather, we should even premeditate our gathering. <laughs> we should be meditating in advance. That's premeditate. We should be meditating in advance of coming together. Being like, how could I, man, if I see Steve Black here, you know, how could I encourage him in his faith? Oh, I know Kevin and Mary are gonna be here and they're kids. Lord, how would you use me how would, you, how would you maybe use them to encourage me? Lord, would you give me those eyes to see that? Would you give me my, that heart, Lord? If there are people, maybe you are coming in, and you're just introducing yourself to them. And Lord, would you have our gathering, even in the midst of the risk, it's worth the risk for us to gather because of what's at stake. And because he's actually using each of us to deepen each of us, to sharpen each of us, to form each of us, and church isn't like me doing, it's, it's us, it's us stepping into this space saying how do I encourage those who are gathering to draw near to Jesus, how do I encourage those who the Holy Spirit is forming and sanctifying, how do I do that all toward the riches that we have in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, um, and what I love is it had become the habit of some to be like, man, you'll see me in six months. That had become their habit. You know, it's one thing for us to be sick, but what I love here is he's like, hey, I want this to be your habit. We're creature. He made us, he knows we're creatures of habit. Like, I I've interacted with a family this week and the lady was like, yeah, I've had a yogurt parfait for breakfast every morning for two years. I was like, that's impressive. You know, like every morning, huh? Yep, every morning for tea. I'm like, you're a creature of habit, you know, and you're healthier than I am uh, because I have biscuits and gravy and stuff, you know. Um, but uh, and he's speaking to our habit, and he's saying, like, hey, we have the risk of gathering that can lead us to isolation. But what if our our habits are? meditating, considering how we can stir each other up, how we can come around each other. And, um, and that that is our growth, and that's like our joy for a lifetime as a church. And we're not consumers. We're actually the body of Christ, the family that's sharpening each other with the treasures that we have in Jesus, the treasures we have in the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was thinking about this, I actually thought about my dad. Which, was, which I thought was cool. Week after Father's Day, so it feels appropriate. Um, but I remember, so my parents were in their 40s when they gave their lives to Jesus. And um, I still remember a moment where I was like, my dad is a changed man. And, um, and I remember we were in the car and we were driving to Sailorville Church and before we got, we were all going there as a family. And there's kind of like a hill that you go down before you, like, you pull into the road that the church is on. And as we were like getting ready to come into Sailorville, I remember my dad being like, hey, let's pray. And, and I remember he prayed. And I'm not going to be able to do justice of like word for word what the prayer was about. But I remember what the prayer was about was hey, God, as we come together, would you give us eyes? to see, like, who needs to feel your love today? Would you give us just a heart for, for what you're going to do today? And would we be able, be able to be a part of that? And would you use us? And, and, uh, and it was like a prayer in that direction. And then, like, when Dad said amen, I was just like, amen. <laughs> like, I so agree with that prayer, um, and Jesus, you're changing my dad like because that, that's like he wouldn't have had that heart if it wasn't for him seeing the treasures of Jesus and seeing like church is not us just playing at a thing for an hour on sunday like it's actually like a part of our lives of caring that we together draw near to Jesus, and we together are formed to be more like jesus and uh you know and I think too like People gathering online, like that is like my hope and my prayer is that we'll all be able to be in a room together. Um, and there are different reasons why people are online. Some people are, actually don't live in the community. But I think here we can step towards each other in real intentional considering how to sharpen each other and how to be encouraged. And then online too, like I saw tons of people this morning, I was looking just encouraging each other. And man, that could instead of kind of, we don't know who's online unless they, they leave a message or, or a chat, you know? But man, it could be you maybe for the first time chatting in there and encouraging people and just maybe sharing like how these, these last few weeks, like how the Lord is using those in your life. And that can encourage people and that could maybe lead to you getting together over lunch or something and encouraging people and maybe allowing them to encourage you too. And so even gathering online, we can do this. <laughs> even gathering online, we can gather in a way that we're, we're walking this out as a church. Um, and so I, I just felt like a very appropriate way to encourage each other towards drawing near to Jesus and encouraging each other to allow the Holy Spirit to really form, form who he wants us to be following him is for us together to take communion, to draw near to Jesus together. And so um, the the way that we do this is uh, if you are not a follower of Jesus at this time, I would just encourage you instead of taking this to just take Jesus, to put your faith in him, put your trust in Jesus, then come up and and we'd love for you to feast at his table. Um, The warnings in scripture are towards Christians who take this without thinking about it. So we should always look to him to sins that we need to repent of because he's gracious towards us and loves us. We should always be, Lord, would you would you have me, as I draw near to you, be changed and not just go up and take it and leave and so 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 let's take a moment to just search our hearts uh, then what we'll do is we'll come forward let's take his uh, each cup has it's like a cup within a cup so there's a bread underneath so just kind of grab one cup together uh, then uh, then we'll come we'll all stand and then we'll just take it together as family so let's come let's respond